You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I am your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, before we get to the show, though, we got to get to those social medias. You know what I'm talking about uh, on the Twitter at TNWPod. Drop us a tweet and give us some information. Let us know what's up. On the Instagram, you can go to uh, Talking Wrestling Podcast. Uh, on Facebook, Talking Wrestling, and drop us a gmail at talking wrestling at gmail.com uh remember if you are on itunes to rate review subscribe uh, leave us a favorable review and a five-star rating we will send you a postcard of a wrestler from the 80s whether it be junkyard dog whether it be jerry lawler whether it be tommy rich so many options are available right now so get those reviews in and if you've not received your postcard for the review that you've done well, that's why you need to hit us up on one of those social medias. Hit us up at TalkingWrestling at Gmail and tell us that you didn't get your postcard. And then tell us maybe some recommendations on who you want and uh, give us your address. Uh, we can fix this all about. Folks, today, the best of, the best of, the best of, the best of. Well, what can I tell you? It's been a great year. We've had Hall of Famers on this year. We've had six wrestlers that were in the PWI 500 this year. I've had a great year going to a lot of wrestling, you know, whether it be eight impact shows or WWE shows up here in Canada or the whole Survivor Series weekend with the We Watch Wrestling podcast crew. It's been a great year for wrestling for the show, for us, and uh, and for me. And what I try to deliver is decent interviews and good comedy on this show. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoyed uh, what we put together on this issue. So uh, so here we go. Um, yeah, right, right off the top, uh, we're going to bring in a couple guys from another uh, wrestling podcast, The Wrestler Review. John Hastings and Dylan Gott, a couple comedians with Yuck Yucks, and uh, also uh, internationally as well as they've toured internationally. Uh, had them on the show very early in the new year. And uh, once heard a story about Dennis Rodman being in the audience of one of John Hastings' shows. So I asked him how that went about, and uh, here's what he had to say. You were doing a show? Oh, yeah. Would you mind sharing sure. that with us? I was in uh, the comedy store in L.A. at the Belly Room. It's upstairs. It's upstairs, and it's cool now because Dave Chappelle just did a special there. Yeah, in that very same room, something far better than Dave Chappelle reading from a book and not rehearsing material occurred. <laughs> and that was me. I was doing a spot. And one, the worm, Dennis Rodman, was in the crowd, drunk as... X-Pac at Raw 25. Was he napping on the ropes like he was in his pay-per-view? He's, you know, he was he, he was far more stimulated. Now, here's the thing that bothers me about a lot of comedians 
but people in general where they were like, well, that man's a celebrity. We'll just take it from him. People were like, oh man, I love you. That's really good. And I'm sitting there being like, it's not fucking Pippin, man. It's fucking Jordan. <laughs> it's not fucking Jordan. It's Rodman. Light this turkey up. And then he was just saying crazy things. And then I just yelled at him. So he was heckling. Him. Like, what was one of, what are one of his heckles? Uh, one of the, uh, one of the other guys was a Mexican lady and he was like, yeah, Mexico. <laughs> That's good heckle though. <laughs> it was very good heckle. <laughs> you can't really, uh, you can't really dispute that. The thing that. to keep in mind is like, he was, he was drunk and also knows he's Dennis Rodman. So he hasn't yeah. had a lot of no in his life. Yeah. I mean, he might be the reason there is not a nuclear war right now. Or I'm he, pretty sure he is the reason. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane? I've yeah. had a personal interaction. He two-sweeted uh, Kim Jong-un and it's just all fine. Yeah. He's still wearing that weird, like, that weird paper mache hat he wore briefly when he walked down the aisle at Uncensored in 1997. <laughs> Look, at if there's anybody that's going to bring priests to the harmony of the universe, it's obviously going to be Dennis Rodman. He's on Celebrity Apprentice, yeah. and he is friends with North Korea. Yeah. He's <laughs> the, the whole man. country? If anyone can bring Cheeto and Rocket Man together... It's the powers of the NWO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in his divorce from Carmen Electra, she walked in on him having a threesome and she, and she said, what are you doing? And he went, what are you talking about? While still thrusting. <laughs> Madonna even dated him. Uh, but rumor was uh, she got, uh, he got her on the rebound. <laughs> he was a great rebounder. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't no, yeah. She tried. Joke. She was going out of bounds, and he threw her back in. Oh, wait, because rebound has more than one meaning, both in the basketball terms and in the relationship terms. I think so. I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> somebody no, gave no, me no. that joke. You guys are both. You guys he's are just both. been handed. Uh, Casey's being handed cards, and he's saying them, and now he's spitting at the person who hands the cards. <laughs> Why are you? This is a very violent pod. Why are you guys writing down hashtag uh, men's rights, hashtag me too, hashtag me poo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of though, all right. So wait, wait. So what happened with okay, Dennis so Rodman? What happened? So I go on stage and I decide I'm going to yell at Dennis Rodman about his wrestling <clears throat> career because no one's brought that up. I start to go into a joke. He chirps up hard. I yell at him about getting knocked over in a porta potty with the Macho Man Randy Savage, and he kind of reacts in like a nice way. And then I said something else I don't really remember. It was all a blur because I'm like, I don't know if we're allowed to yell at the celebrities here in Los Angeles. Also, Dennis Rodman is, for being a drunk cokehead, still Dennis Rodman, and will break me in yeah, two. Former athlete, yeah, yeah. former high level athlete. Yeah. So Dennis Rodman decides he's getting on stage. Gets on stage and grabs me by the back of the neck. What? Yeah. If oh you listen God. to the video, he goes, why are you shaking? And that's because he was holding me like a puppy <laughs> next to me. And he went, can I say something? Can I say something? Can I say something? And his way of trying to get like back at me for calling him a fucking loser was, I'm famous. And then the fucking dum-dum handed me the microphone and I said, you used to be famous. Yeah. And then he, he for a second looked really sad. And I was like, if he's going to punch me in the face, it's going to happen right now. That said... Baby's getting famous off of this. If he does. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he totally just tried to get Dennis Rodman to punch you in the face. hundred percent. Right? Oh, that's so funny. He eventually sat down, and I left. And then the two prostitutes he was with got into a full-on fist fight and fell down a flight of stairs. <laughs> and then minutes later, he just walked out and meandered into the streets, and, and no, <laughs> no one knows where he went. And then I later was doing a TV program with Jeff Ross. I'll get a uh, dustpan to pick up all the names I'm dropping here. That's all right. We love dropping names. And uh, Jeff Ross, I was like, oh, this happened at that show that he goes to all the time. And he was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Dennis is... Um Dennis is Dennis. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means, man, but either you're really high right now or like you've seen Dennis Rodman just kill a man. <laughs> that's uh, crazy. Yeah, so that's what happened. It was pretty nuts. And you can check it out on YouTube. 
youtube.com backslash you animated it john hastings comedy yeah it was animated by steve patrick adams because i had my phone going uh the entire time so i had yeah. an audio recording and you had an audio recording of it, audio recording fantastic. Of it. i wish i had video of it because the video really made it it also made me a bunch of wrestling fans because of course the a few comedians in the back i ran into at another show and they were like man your stats were accurate when you were going after robin <laughs> that's great and that's what robin was most impressed with is this guy knows the stats i guarantee i don't care about basketball he knows how many matches i was competed on yeah i know he, well, re- he remembers my lackluster second run in the WCW where <laughs> I got put into a porta potty from a most steroided man and was considered an embarrassment even though Macho Man was embroiled in an angle where he beat up his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And because it's the South in the 90s, still a good guy. Everyone was fine. Everyone uh, was totally fine. Terrible. No Me Too back then. No. And there we go. That was uh, the boys from the Wrestling Review. Uh, the Wrestler Review. Uh... And you can hear the wrestler review on uh, iTunes, so make sure to check them out. That is the first clip. That is the opening clip. Dennis Rodman in an audience. What would you do? You're doing stand-up, and a member of the NWO is sitting there in the audience. I don't know. But uh, next up on the show, uh, we had the Innovator of Violence. Earlier this year, House of Hardcore came to Canada, and Talking Wrestling were an official sponsor. And uh, we got very lucky. We got Tommy Dreamer to call in, and we were talking to him about um, about the WWE Hall of Fame because he was mentioned in the Dudley speech, and we were asking him uh, some of his thoughts on the Hall of Fame and what he thought. And here's what uh, what Tommy had to say: The Dudley's going in the Hall of Fame this year, and uh, you know you getting prominent mention in their speech, which was fantastic to see. And not only that, that Dudley speech was, you know, the best way to kick off the uh, Hall of Fame, which I love every year. Very emotional and very entertaining as well. Do you think there will be any other ECW originals or guys that are truly associated with ECW that will go in the Hall of Fame someday? Uh, Besides Paul Heyman, obviously. But, you know. I would say Paul Heyman. I would say Rob Van Dam definitely deserves it. And the guy who doesn't get enough credit for changing the industry uh, the Sabu yeah I totally agree with you when everyone Sabu was the first to use tables that was commonplace and you know his style it was so revolutionary I just think he gets lost in the mix but Sabu is definitely a Hall of Famer just because of his uniqueness as well as you know for a long time he was the glue that held ECW together in the early stages of ECW, you know, he was the main event guy. He had this amazing cult following. He was just so different. Mm-hmm. And what he did in Japan, even when uh, we were in WWE, I mean, he had a really, he was so unique. He had a really, really good showing for himself against John Cena. And, you know, then they wanted him to talk. And I remember me and Paul, they were just like, don't make him talk, don't make him talk. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, once he spoke, Vince was like, my God, why is he talking? He was like, because you said you were. You told it to. Yeah, you, that's so, why you had a mouthpiece for him in uh, in ECW, no? Yeah. Well, that was Paulie all the time, and then Bill Alfonso. I but definitely agree with question, you. I think guys like that would definitely, Raven, Sandman, it was an ECW all the same. They all deserve it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's totally... I, you know, I don't see why there shouldn't be, you know, in that era, ECW was the most influential thing in the Monday Night Wars. You know, it changed escape before the others followed. 
and then of course your the roster was completely raided by both federations and and by both of the one and twos and technically there should be an ECW uh, wing as far as I'm concerned in the Hall of Fame you know because uh, you know yourself should be in there Raven should be in there the Sandman should be in there like Sandman was drinking beers before Stone Cold was and uh, that became his gimmick and you know there's just so many things that were borrowed and taken and stolen from ECW that uh, you know if you can't put in you know you can't put in the institution you know you definitely should put in more of the guys that led to this ECW leading the way in uh, new wrestling like which would be the hardcore style of the late 90s well first I think we need an actual Hall of Fame physical Hall of Fame yes because I've been to Canton for football I've been to actually all of them uh I've been to upstate New York for baseball. I've been to Springfield for basketball. And I don't think I've been to... I thought I was at the Hockey Hall of Fame. There's a Hockey Hall of Fame. Toronto? Yeah, Toronto, yeah. Yeah, I was there. So we do need a physical building. And if you know, you're going to go how they do it, I really do feel... I love how the Baseball Hall of Fame has it where you can kind of... You know, you walk through, it takes you different times, different levels. I think they should do something like that, too, where they would have, you know, even... From the territories uh, to the men and women from, you know, time past to then when the business kind of tallied off and there were no more territories then to, you know, ECW, WCW, WWE, and, you know, kind of that's it. And they should also have, you know, a New Japan, All Japan wing because, oh, yeah. the, you know, those, those companies have been around for a long, long time. <clears throat> but I like to get a physical, actual building. I think the wrestling fans would swamp to it. I loved uh, when they had WWE in New York. That was one of my favorite things. I would have actually wanted to be a full-time host there, kind of how if you can go old school with the movie Raging Bull when uh, Robert De Niro was the ex-boxer who was always just at the... He had his own restaurant telling jokes. And, yeah. You know, that's what I kind of wanted me to be because it was. I loved WWE in New York. It was, it was so close to my house. It was... They would just call me whenever they would have, you know, a fill-in. They'd pick me up in a limo, drive me to, you know, the place, feed me, give me whatever I want, and then drive home, and I'd be watching, you know, paid to watch the show. But I would love to be, like, I don't know, the, the curator of the Hall of Fame. Just uh, be an awesome, awesome job. Oh, I think, I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, like you said, like Raging Bull and Rocky Balboa was the same thing. Like, hey, you want guys want to hear a story? You know, oh, yeah. he just come up and let me tell you about that painting. And it would be fantastic. Like, I remember uh, I went down to the Carolinas. Can you imagine that? Tommy Dreamer said it right there. If the WWE was to build a Hall of Fame, that he would want to run it. We are talking about the innovator of violence running the WWE Hall of Fame Museum. Now, wouldn't that make him the curator of violence? <laughs> yeah, I played that clip so I could get that joke in because I forgot to get it in during the show when I had Tommy on the show. So, Tommy Dreamer, if this ever happens, you will be known as the curator of violence, which I think is great. Um, speaking of the Hall of Fame, I had uh, 
I had Rudy Blair on uh, again this year. He was on last year as well, and he was on this year uh, during Black History Month. And uh, well, he's African American, so that's why we had him on during Black History Month. And we talked about uh, top ten greatest uh, black wrestlers of all time. But uh, but that's not what made the list of the show. What made the list of the show was uh, his opinions on uh, or what we were thinking about uh, when we were talking about the WWE Hall of Fame and uh, we'll just go to Rudy right now and we'll hear that right now so rumors are Kid Rock is going in because they're using his music for Wrestlemania anyways he's made many Wrestlemania appearances Uh, so Kid Rock makes sense to go into the celebrity wing I get it Donald Trump needs some friends uh, in, in the hall of fame and uh i just think that it bothers me that andy kaufman is not in the hall of fame yeah i agree especially after you see the movie and realizing all the things that he did yeah and you didn't realize it he absolutely deserves it. well deserves a lot of people don't know that he for nine months while hollywood like it's not like now where 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 John Stewart can get in the ring, or Ben Stiller can get in the ring, or or the star of Arrow can get in the ring and wrestle matches, and everybody's fine with it. The crossovers between mainstream entertainment and WWE happen all the time, but Andy Kaufman was shunned from Hollywood. They were like, "What are you doing with this wrestling stuff? It's ridiculous." You know, he could like, but he's his whole comedy career was all about fooling people and misdirection and it was all wrestling inspired he so you know what to this day i remember saying no this 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 shit's real this is what's really and i keep watching it now too and i keep going man they fooled me because i really thought lala was you know beating the, the hell out of oh, yeah. kind of thing no clue that they were both in on it um i love it where andy like bob zamuda was the ref yeah bob zamuda's like Andy, Jerry says to get up. And then all of a sudden he goes back to Jerry. He's like, Andy doesn't want to get up. Andy wants an ambulance. He's like, what? Ambulance? That's going to be like $300. And he goes, and then Bob's mood goes back to Andy. He says it's going to be $300. If you want an ambulance, you have to pay for it. And he's like, I'll pay for the ambulance. Get me an ambulance. And then... Andy goes, he takes the ambulance out, it, and Andy made the right call. Yes, that he did. made it more real. Yes, he did. But he stayed three days in the hospital in traction, yep. faking a neck injury. But that's what wrestlers do. That's what real wrestlers do. The fake their injuries, they would, you know, like, uh, what was it, the Sandman, when he was injured, he stayed in the house for days. Yeah. His wife would come to the door to, to you know, talk to people, whatever else. A junkyard dog, when he was blinded by Michael Hayes, he yeah. had the eye patch on, and that's what all he was seen was with the eye patch. Guys who, who truly believed in the sport will go to the biggest lengths mm-hmm. to show that, yes, I am injured, even though they weren't. Now, of course, um, this month being Black History Month. So can you believe that Andy Kaufman faked his injury for uh, three days? He was in traction. Can you imagine the the, the commitment to the character? Uh, this is, as, as Rudy says, this is what wrestlers used to do. Uh, however, uh, some might still do it. Uh, Pete Zedlacher, uh, who was on the show. I don't have to tell you if they were on the show, if they're on this show. 
because obviously this is the best of the festive, the best of seasons beatings. So, um, so Pete Zadlacher was on and he had a story of a wrestler keeping kayfabe and just like Andy Kaufman did. And, uh, we're going to throw that right now, Pete. I did a sketch with uh, Bret Hart on the hour when I was uh, oh, wow. I worked on that. Do you know this story? No, I don't. Oh, this is perfect. This is an actual wrestling story then. <laughs> so Bret Hart came on the show, and um, I was working for George Strombolopoulos' uh, talk show. So we would do sketches with the, the guests that would come in. So yes. I pitched this sketch, and uh, Bret Hart's people were like, yeah, we can, we can do this. And the sketch was, he's in the green room, and I come up, and I say, hey, Bret, I'm one of the writers here on the hour, and I just want to say, like, uh, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I saw you wrestling at uh, Stampede Wrestling back in '82, uh, whatever the number yeah. was, and uh, you were wrestling whoever it was. And then he interrupts me. He's like, uh, "Yeah, you were uh, second row with uh, like an older gentleman. Like, uh, I think he was your uncle." I'm like, "Yeah, my uncle Jimmy." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you had a, a t-shirt on that said Go Brett.'" I'm like. Yeah, how do you remember this? He's like, I remember all my fans. Like, this is remarkable. I can't believe this. And then my buddy Scott comes in and says, hey, uh, Brett, uh, I'm Scott. I'm one of the writers here. Y- of course, you remember me. And he's like, no, I'm sorry, I don't. He's like, well, you were choking in a restaurant. I gave you the Heimlich maneuver. I saved your life. And he's like, no, it doesn't ring a bell. You had me over for Christmas dinner. No, I don't remember. Like, but uh, hey, Pete, I'm having a party afterwards. Come by after <laughs> and bring your Uncle Jimmy. It was a funny sketch, right? Yeah. yeah but uh, he had a cast on his leg. Yeah. And uh, so we're setting up the cameras, and I'm just making small talk with him. I'm like, hey, how's your leg? And he's like, oh, it's, you know, a couple of Advil feels all right. And like, can I add what, what happened? He said, oh, I stepped out of the car. Car wasn't in uh, completely in park, and it rolled back over my ankle, and it Oops. broke my uh, fibula. And I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. And then um, that week, he was supposed to wrestle um, Vince McMahon at one of the rest, like, uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah. And then uh, he came out in the ring, and then he said, oh, I can't wrestle. And then Vince McMahon was like, oh, you chicken. And then he ripped it off, and it was a fake. It was a fake cast. But he kept it going for the sketch, like, even though we were in, yeah. like, he could have just said, oh, this is for a wrestling thing that I'm doing. But he, no, he played no, it off he to played me. played it like, off like he like, was No, really I actually injured. broke my leg, and I was like, oh, shit, Brett, that's terrible. Oh, yeah. And then we got this news that, oh, no, it was a... Uh, it was all it was work. A, it was a fake, yeah. <laughs> it was a work thing. He yeah. had to work the, the yeah, guys yeah. at the yeah. hour yeah. <laughs> in case they break open the story. That's wrestling right. fake. You've heard it here <laughs> first, folks. <laughs> Bret Hart dupes. What? Harry dupe. I was, you know, I was so. stunned. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, they used that is crazy. I'll tell you that right now. Not only that. Uh, speaking of Bret Hart, uh, we had Ken Shamrock on the on 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 the show this year, and um, I knew Ken Shamrock was trained by Bret Hart, so um, I asked him specifically a few Bret Hart questions because uh, I'm not the biggest UFC fan, so I didn't ask a lot of UFC questions. I asked him questions about Bret Hart. Yeah, I did it. Who cares? I did it because I wanted to hear the answers. So let's go to that interview right now with Ken Shamrock. And uh, I asked him, uh, you know, what it was like uh, training with Bret and uh, and so forth and onward. So we'll go to that interview right now. Uh, Ken Shamrock. So yep. your first match that you came into the WWE... You were the referee of uh, WrestleMania 13's Bret Austin match, Stone Cold versus Bret the Hitman Hart. How much were you involved in the planning of that match? Were you were you involved in the precise details, or were you just basically, you know, loosely told how to ref a match and then what the ending would be? Like, what was your position in that match? Because to me, 
that match is the greatest match of all time. It's undoubtedly the f- best match I've ever seen in my life, to this day. And I agree with you. I think it is the best match ever. And basically what Stone Cold and Brett told me was to be me. Referee the match the way you would an MMA fight. And so going into that match, I was like, well, that's going to be odd because I don't want to act like somebody got hit when it didn't look like they got hit. Mm -hmm. And so I was a little bit skeptical going into this match. But after I was in the match and it started out and they started going, I got so caught up in the match because it was so real. And and they were beating on each other and they were going after each other. And I started refing it. And I I couldn't even notice the difference between being in an MMA fight and that match because I was so involved in that match and they made it look so good that I was caught up in it. And when I belly to bellied him, I literally belly to bellied him for real. Because <laughs> I was so caught up into the match, I was like, don't you say that to me. How dare you, man? I'll kick your ass. That's perfect. <laughs> and it's perfect because at that moment, you know, that's when uh, you belly belly Brett and Brett cowers. He doesn't want any part of you. And that's what a heel does is cower. And there, the the flip is complete, and all of a sudden, he's leaving and getting booed, and Austin's going on to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, that match is is so important in the history of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. Now, there was a no-color policy. Did you know that they were going to get, that they were going to bleed during that match? No, I didn't. I, like I said, when I watched it, I just, I believed what they were doing, and I refed it as accordingly. I like I said, I thought it was one of the greatest matches that I've ever seen, and I thought it turned the uh, the tide of the WCW dominating the the wrestling wars, and it started going in our direction because people, I believe, thought like, "Wow, this is the real deal." Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, it was. Um, not only that, you were also involved. Uh, your first pay per view match was also one of my favorite matches as well. Uh, the five-on-five at In Your House in uh, Calgary, Alberta, the Stampede pay-per-view. What was that like to be in a match with the quality of uh, talent that was in that match? Because you had pretty much the who's who at the top of the WWE at the time. Like, you had the Road Warriors, and you had uh, Austin, and yourself, and Gold Dust, who was a hot property, as well as the entire Hart Foundation. Um, what was that match like? And... Uh, that arena that night, like you go into that pay per view, they show the cameras are shaking because the crowd noise is so insane. If you can remember, just uh, give me a few words on what that match was like and uh, what the crowd was like that night, if you do remember. I think everybody in that match, standing on the uh, apron, realized that this was historic. This was going to be one that would people will remember forever because of the way the people reacted to the, all those guys in that match. And it was so loud. It was something that I think none of us have ever heard before. And realized, like, dude, this is going to be historic. And it raised everybody's level of wrestling when we heard that noise. And we, we felt like, wow, this is, this is going to be one to remember forever. So everybody put in their A-plus game. It's just such a good, like, it's, just, it's such an easy pay-per-view. Just four matches. I can't remember the last time a pay-per-view had four matches, let alone four quality matches with a main event that great um that's not a cluster and doesn't end up being like everything was re- in that in that main event was really really uh well thought out and uh well planned and 
and there was no weak link there. I mean, everybody was really powerful and everybody carried their own weight and they did their own great things. And I thought like the level of the uh, professionalism in the ring at the time with all eight guys was nothing but a game. So that's crazy that, uh, you know, do you remember that match from Stampede? Because I certainly do. And how crazy that camera was. I believe that we we uh, tackled the Calgary Stampede wrestling card in our very first episode with uh, Alex Wood and uh, Jeff McHenry. So here we are two years later, still talking about it, but talking to one of the competitors in that match. And if you would have told me that two years ago when we started this show that I would have one of those competitors from that match on the show, I would have said, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I would not have believed it. But um, the show's been doing okay. We've been plugging along getting it done did i say getting it done? oh i did i'm so sorry about that folks uh i am a better comedian than that i am a better comedian than that and speaking about better comedians uh there was a better comedian than me uh <laughs> one of my best buds uh he is the highest rated episode the highest rated issue of talking wrestling in the history of the show uh it belongs to this gentleman uh rory scoville and if you listen to that episode the i feel pretty star dubbed himself as the professor so rory let's go to rory right now and let's hear uh what happened when rory scoville uh, invaded the never sleeps network studios down in los angeles all right rory take it away uh Oh, speaking of excitement, hold on. What's going on? Hold on. Oh, my God, folks. Joining me at this time in studio. I can't believe he's here. That's right, folks. That is exactly right. We don't need no education, or do we? Yes, you do. Ladies and gentlemen, you might remember him from his previous episode of Talking Wrestling uh, that we did last year. It is the professor, That's right, Rory Scoble, is professor. joining us, and it's a surprise to see him join us in studio. With Class is in session. As, as we are uh, mid-episode, uh, what a surprise and what a treat. It's not uh, a surprise. Well, yeah, yeah, sure it is. It's, you're in my goddamn garage. I am in your garage right now, and uh, your neighbor uh, just commented. Landlord. Like, your landlord was just like, some guy's walking around my backyard with a microphone. Casey's got a ponytail, and he's in shorts, and he's got a sleeveless shirt on. I looked out my back window. I thought you were practicing stand-up. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was like maybe the saddest thing I've ever seen. I was like, oh, poor Casey. I do. I he's do. practicing stand-up. <laughs> I have to put on my sweats, my practice shorts. And uh, and then well, he cracks three eggs and he drinks them straight like Rocky, and then he gets his karaoke machine out and he runs some new bits by himself. Those bits do not get perfect unless you practice. Well, you get the wording down. Yes, but what I like to do is I also like to get the uh, act outs down and having a backyard like this and nowhere to have plenty the mic. of room, plenty of room to have the act outs. You know, uh, rehearsing much like 
A wrestler would. Would they rehearse? Do wrestlers rehearse? Do you, you think, think they rehearse? I know it's your podcast. No, I think a lot of the times they you call think, it in the. I don't know actually, shit about dick. No, each wrestling match in the WWE mm-hmm. has a produce as a segment producer, yeah. and uh, they help produce the match and build the storyline that's going to be shown there. Uh, and usually, all these producers are former wrestlers. Oh, yeah. So it's very much like uh, it is in your business, the entertainment it business. Sounds like uh, in this case, you're the professor and I'm merely the student. Well, you probably all knew all this. Of course I did. I'm the professor. <laughs> I teach it. I knew you were the professor. I teach wrestling. You teach wrestling. I was just up in Calgary where they also teach wrestling mm-hmm. at the Lance Storm Academy and also at the, uh, the course, the legendary Stampede Dungeon of uh, Stu Hart is up there as well. They don't teach wrestling anymore, but... Um, um, but yeah, just down in Calgary, and now I'm down here in L.A., where the weather is different. And uh, I'll tell you what, the Miz has had quite a climb. Am I right? Yeah, the Miz from is the doing- real world all the way to the top. Yeah, the Miz is killing it right now. He's probably one of the best wrestlers, top ten wrestlers in the WWE. Yeah, and uh, just had a baby, and has his own another reality show. That guy's had like six reality shows. Oh, has he? He's been on. I several. mean, I just remember the real- which real world was he in? Um. I don't know. Road you know what rules? makes me feel so good is that he was, yeah, it was one of those, obviously, but late nineties, right? Yeah, or early aughts. Yeah, I guess early aughts, probably. He he. But but what's so inspiring is that I never took him seriously when he was like such a goofy clown. It was like I want to be a pro wrestler. I was like, ah, shut up. Yeah. Now that he is, I'm like, good for you. And the climb wasn't easy. Now I know how all high school bullies feel in eighties movies. Yeah, because at the end they always go. That was Rory Scovel, this is a star of I Feel Pretty and uh, Will Ferrell's The House. Um, you can check those out on Netflix. You can also check him out on Netflix on his own special um, comedy. What is it? Comedy for the first time. Rory Scovel tries comedy for the first time. Uh, a little tidbit about that. It's produced by Jack White of the White Stripes. I don't have to say that, though. You know who Jack White is. And uh, Jack White also makes an appearance in the Netflix special, so... Check that out. You have a couple of laughs on Rory. Um, not only uh, did we have Rory on the show, who was a funny comedian, uh, we had some guys that are were comedians, and uh, they've kind of uh, crossed over into the wrestling. For example, uh, from Kenny versus Spenny Spain. Uh, that's almost tough to say. From Kenny versus Spenny fame, we had uh, Spencer Rice, aka Spenny, on the show, and uh, we're talking talking about my favorite episode of Kenny vs. Benny, uh, the one where they had uh, a wrestling match between Kenny vs. Benny, and they each had to create a character, and they were going to have an actual wrestling match, and that is my favorite episode, and uh, I, I, well, uh, I had Spenny on my show, so it seemed like a good time to ask him about that episode, and here's what Spenny had to say. Wrestling stuff. Give me some wrestling stuff. All right. Well, let's. Uh, well, can we talk about um, the episode that you did where you went to become a wrestler versus uh, Kenny versus Benny? One, one of the greatest things ever. Kenny's always historically thought it was one of our weaker episodes. Oh, it's I not. don't think it was the best. I thought Yarp Yarp was incredible. Yeah, it's very funny. Uh, except for the fact, typical Kenny. You know, a monster character that's comedic. Okay, I get it. It's like uh, the gobbledygook. But, you know, you got to wrestle. You got to have some fucking, but he's too lazy. But I do love Yarp Yarp, and I'm, I'd love to do a rematch with him. I've got the whole thing planned out. And the thing when we did that show, which I'm proud of, which was at that point in his wrestling history, 
kayfabe was over kayfabe whatever was done right so we did it like that we didn't have any pretense that was and it was real we we played the reality of the wrestling business at the time and i'm sort of proud of that you know i hated the way and no offense to the people who lent us the ring it was still a garage and maybe that works for some people but of yeah. course i wanted to walk down the rampway at you know, <laughs> you know, not WrestleMania. I'm not that egomaniacal, but like something better than that. But we couldn't afford it. Uh, a Gladys. Uh, I love that I had my ring guys, the gentlemen, and Gladys, my mother, who escorted me down the fake runway. There was a lot of stuff going on. My favorite moment in that show, well, beyond working with the Iron Sheik, which was surreal, but was uh, the Megan brothers. I'm sure you know them. Yeah, uh, yeah they, they produced uh, the Iron Sheik's documentary and. Uh, and they handle the shoot right Daddy now. Sweet Daddy Siki. Yeah. And Sweet Daddy Siki. And Sweet Daddy Siki's, yeah. That's on CBC right yeah. now. And, and so he was the announcer. And by the way, I'm completely aware of how important, like, you know, when Jesse and Vince are on the mic, like, that is part of the whole entertainment thing of wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all that stuff. I fucking love it. And, you know, Gorilla Monsoon, I don't care who it is. Some are better than others. See, yeah. Michael Cole's too straight. I, I like the more, you know, JR. I like the people that are just over the top comedy ish announcers and that's an art in and of itself mm-hmm. so it one is. of the megan brothers was the announcer and my wrestling persona was the nice guy and at one point they're giving me they're pummeling me right they're ganging up on me what do they call it a beat down or whatever like the wrestling parlance yeah. is and he's on the announcing table of course i didn't even hear it until we started editing the show and i heard it and he goes it couldn't happen to a nicer guy <laughs> happened to a nicer guy which to me was like a brilliant thing to say and so perfect for that whole wrestling genre but that uh yeah just briefly like that wrestling show was amazing i was suplexed i'm doing a, actually a rematch with tyson at jan you know jan murphy he hooked yeah, us course. up it. Yeah. he's doing his uh, comedy wrestling i hope you come uh oh, yeah, i'll be there for sure year, yeah for sure i was at last before. year's i was at last year's one great event jan is a dear friend i love him to death and you know a wrestling fucking maniac i mean he's like on steroids uh, for wrestling compared to me and um yeah so uh we're doing a rematch with me uh, nice guy versus tyson ducks and uh yeah that that experience was just surreal for me you know and and painful you know because this is where you get a taste of what these uh professional men and ladies go through on a day-to-day basis and their work like dogs as we know and it hurts and you know i'm i'm a guitar player and my back sore from playing guitar i can't imagine you know having to do that day and day strain on their bodies day night after night you know it's it's incredible yeah, it, and and that episode is so great. First of all, the first thing I noticed was because uh, I rewatched it uh, the other night, as how young Tyson is. Because I've watched him wrestle around town lately, and he's so yeah, he's got the beard. Oh, he's so young and baby faced there with the blonde hair, the no beard. Well, he's a heel now, by the way, so it sort of works for wh- where he's going in his career. I think he's a heel now, isn't he? I think so too. It's well, it's so hard to tell with indie wrestling who's heel and who's face because fans just cheer who they want to cheer for. 
that is the truth, as I told Spenny. Heels are good guys, and, and faces are bad guys, and, and you know, wrestling is what you decide, and you decide to cheer for. No longer are we controlled by the, the puppeteers who tell us to who to cheer for and who to not. You decide what you like, and you cheer for what you like. You know, uh, of course, he was talking about Jan Murphy, who has also been on the show, uh, two-time guest, uh, Jan Murphy, the great Jan Murphy, who uh, runs uh, Chinlock Wrestling. Uh, up in uh, Kingston, uh, a charity wrestling show that happens every year, and uh, I did say I would be there for it. However, it has happened, and I missed it. I could, I was unable to be there uh, for it. Um, but as I understand, it was a huge success, huge success. They've uh, set a new record, um, record high for the amount of money that they've raised for charity, and uh, this is a fantastic thing. And I was lucky to be there last year, and it was on fortunate that I didn't get there this year. Uh, I hope to be there next year because uh, Jan is a hardworking man and uh, a great friend of the show. And, uh, you know, even though this one was the best one ever, he will try to make the next one better. And um, that's something I'm sure he will succeed at. Now, uh, speaking of this Benny saying that he was fighting Tyson Dukes, uh, we also had Tyson Dukes on the show, and let's uh, and we talked to Tyson Dukes about his experience with the WWE when he was uh, part of the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, the first annual Cruiserweight Classic that was featured on the network. And uh, so let's hear what had, uh, Tyson Dukes had to say about that, and we'll go to Tyson right now. Well, he said that about you. How do you find, like, how, when you did the cruiserweight uh, uh, tournament, how was your dealings with um, with the WWE at that point, and how did you like that entire experience? That experience was probably the one of the best, like, a highlight of my career, because by that point, I'd been injured, and then I was, I, like, I hadn't had contact with WWE in a long, long time. It's almost like I was a forgotten kid, where they just like ah forget that guy because i couldn't get on dark matches i was never i was never on anything uh joey mercury got me because he was working with the company for the time so he got me on uh he got me on now uh, hello now you got my dad. <laughs> hold on man. no hold problem on, <laughs> hello hi yeah okay you gotta go see Ethan. You wanna interrupt his for some baby <laughs> interactions. Ethan's phone. Let that have your phone. Okay, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. I don't mind a run in. He's uh yeah, he's the boss in charge around here. <laughs> he's the only boss. Hi, Nana. Holy smokes. Hey, hi. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you at home, we're being invaded by the kid W.O. right now. All right, you might hear some tears here in a second. I'm going to get this phone. So <laughs> just know that it was just me grabbing, grabbing a phone, not needing a job. <laughs> okay, Dada. Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I? Hi. Bye. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Even <laughs> you're in charge. Okay. Oh, that's funny. 
girl talkative guy. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. What what was the That's all right. We were we were talking I just said um I said uh, the when the oh, w- cruiserweight, Yeah, cruiserweight. we're talking with cruiserweights and your experience yeah. with the cruiserweight and the WWE. Yeah, the cruiserweight uh, thing was uh, like is one of those deals that I, I I had been with the company for a long long time. And I had worked there for a long time and I've seen a lot, I've been a part of stuff and it was they it's almost like I was forgotten about for quite a while and I thought my my window was closed. So it was kind of like a redemption thing to be a part of the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, I got the chance to perform with WWE. I got to be paid by WWE. I got to enjoy um, everything about it. Because that Cruiserweight thing, they treated us like superstars. From the moment we got off the airplane, they they treated you so well. Yeah. And their their idea for it was brilliant. And, like, uh, Triple H had us in there, like... um, doing our online, like, where we were on that Facebook time, where we were doing our weigh-in, mm-hmm. where it had to be legit. We had to all be under 205. Nobody can be over 205. If there was um, substitutes waiting and just chomping at the bit to get our spot, and they oh. were all under 205. A lot of people don't know that. That's but, like, crazy. The guy, but the guy from Peru was a big big dude he, he was he did a couple of tours of noah i forget his name but that dude actually had to cut water two days before and he didn't eat anything for two days just to make weight it was legit it was legit he had to get under 205 wow that's crazy that was brilliant it's brilliant it really made guys really uh aware that this was a legit tournament with a legit weight and all the guys came in under, which uh, Fabian Eichner, the German guy, mm-hmm. for him to be under 205 and be in the size he was, was quite impressive. It was quite impressive. Yeah, and not only that, it was a fantastic tournament. I wasn't uh, I wasn't happy with the brackets because uh, your first round match, I was like, oh, cheapers, you got to go up against Zack Sabre Jr. That's going to be a, a real tough match because I, I think he was one of the favorites to win the whole tournament. And he's just so... Ah, he's when I watch him wrestle, he's it's just he's so lanky, and <laughs> like he, I don't even know if he needs to try to be a heel, but he's good looking and he's lanky and and he has a great style. And you know, uh, I watch him wrestle, and it's so frustrating as a fan because you'll put him in a move and he'll just step out of it or just slide out of it or just stretch his way out of it. He's like a, a rubber man or something like that. And uh, hey, it's such a great gimmick and. uh the one thing I have to say about with Zach is is the only thing that I wished for in that tournament, but it was it would be impossible to do, right? Because it was on TV, yeah. like or on the network. The one thing with Zach that I had wished for was more time. Zach needs time with his matches because he works a lot with working holds and doing a lot of grinding. Yes, uh, and that just that kind of stuff takes more time than just giving a guy a body slam or an elbow drop. So that's the one thing that, that bothers me about that one. I wish I wish that Zach had, uh, and me had more, more time to really accomplish uh, a little bit more, you know, to educate them a little bit more in that way. And when you had a chance to wrestle him later on, when Smash would uh, face Progress, I believe, uh, was that match longer than the uh, the fifteen minute uh, cruiserweight match? Yeah, it was about twenty minutes. We had went about twenty in that one, so we had lots of time. So 
20, 20 minutes, like 18 minutes to 20 minutes is kind of what you need. That would be perfect. Whereas we filled everything in an under 12 with uh, the CWC one. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that tournament, and I hope they do a, I hope they do a second, uh, a second uh, tournament. Now you, you pretty much wrestle. Do you just wrestle now? Do you just? That was Tyson Dukes. Uh, before Tyson Dukes, we had uh, Spenny from uh, Kenny versus Spenny. Oddly enough, they faced uh, they faced each other this past year at Chinlock Wrestling in Kingston. And if you were there, you saw a fantastic match. I'm not going to spoil who the winner was because I know uh, it was aired recently on television in Kingston, and it'll probably re-air over the holidays. So uh, no spoiler alerts here, folks. You want to see uh, Spenny versus uh, Tyson Dukes? You got to uh, you got to find it. Go to Chinlock dot uh, com, chinlockwrestling dot com, uh, or Google chinlockwrestling dot com. Do whatever you have to do to find that match if you're interested in seeing that. Um, so that is uh, and that was some pretty hardcore wrestling talk there going on there. Uh, I'll tell you. Speaking of the most hardcore thing I saw this year was uh, when I was down with the We Watch Wrestling crew and uh, we went to at uh, Joey at uh, Janela's LA Confidential and I saw the Matt Gage uh, David Arquette death match now for those of you who do not know what happened uh, uh he got uh, david arquette got a shard of glass in his neck and uh he kind of freaked out and um the most bizarre ending to a wrestling match i've ever seen in my life happened and it was a very scary incident and i was right there on eye level to see david arquette as he was bleeding and uh, david arquette was uh went to the back of the room after the match uh which he didn't no sell to pin and he just he was frazzled uh, he clearly had to go to the hospital and uh jungle boy's father put him in his car and took him to the hospital and then jungle boy was a wrestler from earlier in the show and i know you're wondering like who is jungle boy and uh, who is his father and his father is none other than uh, beverly hills 90210 star luke perry uh also star of riverdale on netflix so yeah dylan mckay comes to the rescue of david arquette and the two uh buffy the vampire slayer uh castmates uh head off to the hospital uh to patch david arquette up and uh now why am i talking about david arquette because uh david arquette uh came back into wrestling this year and had his first wrestling match against a man named rj city and uh rj city was on his show right before that match happened and uh, he talks about his uh, twitter feud that began david arquette's wrestling career rj city um his twitter feud with david arquette that led to a match which would uh end up to right where we are now david arquette still wrestling of course now they are a ta- uh, tag team as well called arquette city so um so let's go to uh, the rj city episode and listen to rj city and what he has to say about uh, david arquette and their twitter war here we go we're going to that right now my opening joke right now when i do comedy is uh and i can say this because it is wrestling related my favorite movie i've seen recently was last Christmas, I saw this movie with The Rock in it, and he played a rabbi having dinner in Montreal, and it was called Jumange. <laughs> and that's that's my opening joke for my act. So if wow. you're not into that, well, uh, just leave. Speaking of, allow me to lead you into a segue, if I may. Go ahead. The worst cameo I've ever seen in a Muppet movie. 
Yes. Has to go to David Arquette. Oh, really? For He was in Muppets in Space. I think his name was Dr. Parker. And he okay. overacted the shit out of it. You know how hard it is to overact a, a Muppet? Muppet? Oh, my God. <laughs> Kermit saying, please, can you tone it down? And that's David Arquette. Yeah. Former WCW champion. Yeah. David Arquette. Someone I have a mighty, mighty And you have beef a beef with. going on with David I Arquette right now. I got a right huge now. beef with him. He was, uh, yeah. Well, so does, uh, so does every WCW fan and every wrestling fan. Yeah, I have a, a personal one. I guess beyond the wrestling beyond the wrestling yeah are um, you are you worried and no I don't think I'm too worried I'm worried if his family gets involved if, Patricia yeah our cat uh, he crazy, warned me crazy? that uh, I should not get involved with that and Rosanna our cat yeah yeah and then of course his grandfather is the great Charlie Weaver no yeah. get out of town you didn't know this the boxer what the wrestler the comedian the comedian Charlie Weaver's a comedian can someone <sighs> I did not even know that. Oh my! Is he a vaudevillian? Yes, he was a vaudevillian. Yes, not 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 villain tag team. Right. No, right. yeah. So yeah, he started following me on on Twitter, and he was he was responding to a lot of my tweets, and I feel like he was siphoning likes off of my work. Mm-hmm. You know, some people comment, respond to tweets, and they just restate your premise. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, give me a quick joke, like a pun joke. Uh, I can only count up to seven in French because I have a wheat allergy. Oh, I don't know. Yes. I'm, a, I'm a silly act. Yes, because and then imagine if somebody stood up and turned to the crowd and explained the premise of that joke. You see, no, I explain is it. It's like wheat, like grain, and then wheat, the number eight, and then everyone laughed at them. And you well, would say, "Hey, what the hell is this?" Well, that's the second part of my joke. Is I explain it afterwards. Well, yes, you're yeah. your own. You troll yourself. I do. Yeah. So I got a little perturbed, and I called him out, and it turned into a whole thing. And then I met him in New Orleans, WrestleMania weekend. Okay. And we had coffee in our underwear, and we were looking to make amends, and we had a nice chat, and he hit me in the face with a chair. With a chair? With a chair. An inflatable chair, but a chair, nothing. Swung it hard. Swung you know it very what? hard. In order, I would rather be hit with a chair in the face than to watch somebody blow up an inflatable chair. Yeah. And we'll stand there and wait for it. Yeah. And then them hit me with that inflatable yeah. chair. It's more about insult than injury. Yeah. So, you know, when I see him again, and I will, you know what the first thing I'm going to say to him is? No. Hey, what are you, you. buddy? A piece of shit or something? Oh, my it's, God. It's the new suck it. Guys are going to be going to the bar, and going up to eat. girls and say, hey, what are you, buddy? A piece of shit or something? And they'll go, or something, and then they'll make out, and then it'll catch off. I think yeah. that's that's fantastic. Yeah. No scary movie there. That is uh, absolutely brilliant. I love it. What are you, buddy? Piece of shit or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. See? You know... Can you believe that? Hey, what are you? What are you? A piece of shit or something? Hey, what are you, buddy? A piece of shit or something? Is it? Is it, buddy? Hey, what are you, buddy? A little piece of shit or something? That's a great catchphrase. And I can't wait to see people in the audience wearing the t-shirts with, hey, what are you, buddy? A piece of shit or something? That would be awesome. And you know what's going to happen because uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's already happening as is. RJ, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, who wouldn't, who knew that your Twitter war with David Arquette would lead to him puncturing his uh, neck with a uh, fluorescent light tube in a death match? 
deep in the heart of Los Angeles during Survivor Series weekend, McMahon. So, um, yeah, that was crazy, and that was RJ City. Uh, folks, that was RJ City. And uh, next uh, on the list, on the list, imagine if this was the actual list. Uh, I always wondered, you know, when you're out there live in the mix of things on WWE and something happens that's not scripted and uh, you're kind of, uh, you know, you know, in charge of things or you can take charge of things, what would you do? And uh, I had referee Jimmy Corderas on issue 37 and we talked about the time Daniel Pooter, a tough enough uh, contestant, um, took Angle down, Kurt Angle with an arm lock because uh, he was an MMA fighter and um, well uh, I'm not going to explain any more of it either you remember it if you don't remember it go to YouTube watch, type in Daniel Pooter Kieran Angle watch that but uh, you won't have to because Jimmy Corderas uh, who was there for it all he tells us uh, what happens uh, in his own words right here right now <laughs> now, uh, sometimes uh, things don't go as happening yeah. in the ring, and sometimes even you have to make a, a decision. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about this incident because we already talked about tough enough mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about the Daniel, uh, the Daniel Pewter uh, yeah, thing oh, yeah. Yeah. because that's uh, a lot of people for I've forgotten about that, mm -hmm. but that was like you know quite the um, the moment where. You know, he got the best of Kurt Angle at a certain part, yeah. and then locked him in a uh, in a in a arm arm hold, mm -hmm. I believe. And um, you, was that your moment to like? You were the one that was like fast enough to realize, okay, this is not a good situation. Count two, got to count a pin on him, and then right. just it's done. It was one hundred percent reactionary. At the time, Kurt Angle wasn't one hundred percent. He was still mm -hmm. suffering effects from his neck and stuff like that. And that whole thing about calling the guys in the ring to wrestle with them, the guy that won the... Nolinski. Or Chris Nolinski won that year, didn't he? No, I don't remember who who, who the guy he actually originally won that contest. and Not not the tough enough, but won that, that challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. They brought into the ring and yeah. kind of wrestled them and kind of tied them up in knots and so on and so forth. We knew that was coming. But the calling out to anybody else mm -hmm. was just Kurt you know just being just, just improvising yeah improvising and then daniel pewter shot up his hand and we're like what do we do i you can't say no now no it's live yeah it's you know so he comes in the ring and they start wrestling around and they got backed up into a corner and i could see a pewter gets uh what i uh key lock yeah or kimura they call it and he has it and i'm like i wasn't as uh well versed in mma at the time but i kind of Got the impression I looked at it and went, oh, this is not good. I, I could tell right away that something was wrong. And I'm thinking, and, and in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to process these things. I'm trying to keep an eye on things. And I know there's no way Kurt's going to tap to this. Kid. Yeah. He'd rather lose his arm than actually mm. tap to this this young kid. So in my mind, I'm thinking, how can we end this without it being too overtly like. Think? And when they fell on the ground, I just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to count. You know, it was, again, it wasn't something I said, okay, if they fall to the ground, I will count. If they do this, I will do this. No, it was just like, this has got to end. I don't know what to do. Oh, they fell down. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Kurt fell on top. So I just counted. Of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, I'm thinking, well, it was an amateur fight. I could have counted just one instead of three. Yeah. But, I, I, but I'm pro-wrestling programmed. It doesn't matter. I mean? It was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and right away, you know, as soon as I got to the back, you know, Obviously, didn't speak to Kurt. I wasn't going to go. He he was already in. He was pissed. Yeah. 
He was pissed. And uh, I got to the back, and nobody said a word except uh, Gerald Briscoe was that gorilla, um, who's the guy who mm-hmm. talks to us in our earpieces. And again, didn't say anything as I just walked in. He just gave me a little thumbs up. I went, okay. I got, and I talked to a few guys. Like, uh, I got to fit, and fit asked, it, said, did they tell you to do that? I said, uh, no, I just did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He says, uh, that was quick thinking. That was very smart of you to do that. I said, I don't know if it was smart. I just did it. I just, it was a reaction. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then he got his at the Rumble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, I had the ringside seat for that. I, I kind of felt bad. For, it got to the point where I kind of felt bad for the kid. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, like, he was trying to do something that maybe, you know. Would give him an edge in the competition. Yeah. You know. Um, but- maybe overstep bounds a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you're trying to do something, make a name for yourself. I get it. Yeah. Maybe not the right circumstance to do it in. Maybe not the right no. way to do it. But then again, you know, in the Royal Rumble, it was like, a welcome to the club, kid. And then just, you know. Yeah. Chop fest. Yeah. So true. Do you? Okay. So- That's crazy story that that would even happen. And Jimmy's reaction was uh, so um, bang on. You know, just insane. Uh, another time uh, of this past year that was really cool was when I was hosting the Todd Shapiro show uh, on Sirius Satellite XM Satellite Radio, and DDP was on, and I got to ask DDP a few questions, and they were nice enough to lend us the footage. So, uh, first of all, what you're going to hear is uh, me trying to introduce the footage with my roommate Jeff McHenry, and then finally, um, you're going to hear uh, DDP tell us about uh, Cody roads and all in so let's go to that right now i'm just happy to see the heart foundation wrestling again <laughs> no i'm happy too it's very exciting jeff uh, guess who i have on the show tonight uh who do, who do you have casey well nobody but um <laughs> but this is what's happened uh-huh. last week i was hosting the todd shapiro show co-hosting mm-hmm. on sirius xm satellite radio channel 164 canada laughs is that it 154 canada laughs that's a that's a great not quite sure plug you just did there oh, casey we gotta get this right oh, Canada. <laughs> jeff tell them something else about uh major league wrestling <laughs> well i looked this up that's Casey Corbin, a stickler for details, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, most shows have people to do this for you. <laughs> you know, like I don't have a, a fancy dancy people to do this stuff for me. I just have to figure this shit out on my own. Why? 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 Why is it so difficult? I I could say something, but I think it's more entertaining watching you struggle your way through a Google search right now. Well, nowhere, nowhere does this, it <laughs> it explains the channel. Everywhere is the channel, but nowhere does this. Oh, we got it. One sixty eight, folks. One sixty eight. One sixty eight. Canada laughs. Um, Todd's really going to appreciate that plug right there, Casey. Those. Well, you know what? We're uh, we're talking wrestling. We're not talking. Uh, we're not talking satellite radio channels. <laughs> All right. We know where we know where wrestling stuff. Anyways, I was hosting, co-hosting the show uh, last week, and um, uh, DDP called in, Diamond Dallas Page, and uh, I got to co-interview Diamond Dallas Page with Todd. We talked about uh, DDPY, and we talked about uh, All In, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, but the conversation does go 27 minutes, and... uh, Hall of Famer, Diamond Dallas Page, you know. So uh, I was nice. I said to uh, Todd after the show, and uh, I said, would I be able to get this um, 
this clip and play it on my podcast. And uh, and he said, yes, if you plug my channel in an said, efficient manner. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> and uh, thus, you said, uh, sure thing. I said, I will. 168. <laughs> I said, I don't. Everybody would like 169, but not me. I want 168. <laughs> So, so 168 candle last. Uh, this uh, interview aired on the uh, on the Todd Shapiro show. Will there ever be a comeback in the ring? I saw that uh, really nice diamond cutter that uh, you did it all in. Is there any chance you'll ever have one more match in you? I don't think so. But you know, I, I don't even do that anymore. But for WWE, I'll do it. And Cody, he, he's my boy. You know. Yeah. I've I've known Cody since he was ten years old. I mentored him his entire life. Uh, you know he's a great kid. And when he told me he was doing it, I said, "Dude, whatever you need, just let me know." And at some point, he he texted me. He said, "Any chance you're doing a diamond cutter?" I said, "For you, you know, <laughs> you know." And and it's great for. I, I hope I can do it at seventy. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's my goal. I tell you, uh, you know, as a fan watching All In, which is um, a historic, like a history-making event for professional wrestling, not necessarily sports entertainment, but for, for, for professional wrestling, just to see you drop a diamond cutter at someone, you know, uh, it was very nostalgic and very cool, and it, it made me pop huge. And uh, that was probably my favorite night of wrestling this year and it's glad to see even you and, Tom, and dreamer as well uh being a part of it so tommy's you know, a beauty tommy's great so yeah it was great to uh, see yeah, I, I love the way know, cody came to the ring with that entourage with the group of guys too so yeah you know a little little behind the scenes story on that you know when dusty was alive uh you know he was without dusty Rhodes, rizzo diamond Dallas page and you know um he would always tell me you know, when we would get, you know, having a beer and just sitting around bullshitting, he would say, you know, D, I got five friends, you know, and you, D, you're with one of them. And then when he died, Cody called me up and he did, we just were talking and he said, I just want you to know, you know, right close to when he passed, it was, you know, he, he told me, he said, I got five friends, Cody, it can depend on so many people. And he said to be some people have gone on and off the list. He goes, but the one guy who's always there has been me. And uh, that was super powerful, you know, for me. And then when he decided he was going to do this all-in thing, um, he's over my house having dinner. And uh, he brought that up. And he said, you know, I, I want to make this like a big-time MMA fight. I want to have the, you know, the entrance. I want to have the entourage of the people that, you know, from Dusty and from me, you know, and is, is you know besides me and Dreamer and Glacier, Ray Lloyd uh, was Otis, his father-in-law, and uh, his brother-in-law Kevin, and of course his dog Pharaoh. To be involved in that, that was super special for me because just the lineage that we've been through and shit, you know. So yeah. uh, to watch to watch Nick Aldis, who is, you know. Um, and I don't mean to say he's exactly like, because there's only one Ric Flair, mm -hmm. but he's kind of like this generation's Ric Flair. And Cody's a little bit of his dad and a lot of himself, and, you know, and, and, and creating his own brand. Uh, I don't know if that match would have meant it not as much as it did without Nick carrying that strap all over the world. 
And, you know, because the underground wrestling scene is so amazing. Fantastic. Billy owning, you know, Billy owning the NWA title, that may be one of the, as valuable as it gets right now, as far as, like, lineage. Like, he believed in that. And, and he, you know, he, he bought the, you know, the, the, the NWA title a few years ago. Kind of like, you look at what Vince has done recently with the selling of television time mm-hmm. to Fox TV. And he sold it for $1.2 billion, I believe it was. And he didn't sell his company. He no. just sold them television time like the NFL or the NBA do. I mean, Vince took it to a different level. So all of a sudden, you know, proving what was, you know, and the whole shakedown when, when, when Cody just nonchalantly said he thought him and the Young Bucks could, you know, sell out a 10,000 uh, seat arena. And Meltzer heard that. And someone asked Dave about it. And Dave said, well, you know, he's, he's kind of overshot in his rod there because. You know, maybe four thousand, which would be a great house. Yeah, you know, four thousand people, great house, independent. And uh, Cody said, "I'll take that bet." Now, give you guys a little backstory on Cody Rhodes. When he's fourteen, I'm getting ready to go to WWE, and um, you know, I had some time off, so in between that, and I was at Dusty's Turnbuckle Entertainment. He had a ring there, and he did some independent group wrestling stuff, and. Um, Cody had just got out of the ring because he'd do refereeing. He learned to work a little bit here and there, and he's a natural. And uh, so he, I always called him Young Buck back then. Wow. And uh, which is kind of crazy, right? Yeah, that it's was crazy. My nickname for him, Yo, Young Buck. So um, I said, uh, I said, so when are you going to start football practice? Because it was like going into that, you know, spring season or something. Can't remember exactly. It was so coming out of the summer. And uh, he said, I'm not going to play football this year. I'm like, you're not going to play football. You're playing since you're eight. You love football. He goes, yeah, I do. He said, but I'm going to focus on wrestling. Now, he's going into his seniors, his, his sophomore season. And he said, my junior year, I'm going to really set my goals. I'm going to win the state championship my junior year. <laughs> I went, Wow. Young Buck, that's a, that's a hell of a goal there, man. I go, you know, that's going to take you. He goes, yeah, a lot of work. And if you if you if you watched him at all in, he wears his belt, the weight belt. On the back of the belt, it says, "Do the work." Yeah. And uh, that year, I was I I moved to L.A. right after my six month run with WWE and went out to uh, L.A. to study my you know just to study acting and put the work in and. Uh, we talked all the time, and he's 11 and 0. Wow, that's really great. Then I called him when he was like 20-something and 0. And then I called him when he was 33 and 0. And when, he was so excited. He just got off uh, uh, the local television interviewed him and his dad. The big local paper, the Atlantis Constitution Journal, did a big interview, uh, you know, with him. And he's like, that was, oh, you just don't know. It's, it's been unbelievable. And I was like, yo, yo, young buck. I said, yo, yo, young buck, um, you know, maybe I do have a kind of an idea. You know, I was a three-time world champion. Oh, come on, dude, you know I don't really mean that. I said, listen, young buck, you keep your your feet on the ground. I said, now you've got a huge, huge bullseye on your back. Who's going to try to upset 
Cody Rhodes, man. I go, bottom line is, I go, keep your feet on the ground, keep reaching for the stars, and I'll be there and watch you win the state championship. He goes, seriously? You'll come out from L.A.? I go, absolutely. I said, you get to the finals, I'm there. So I bought my ticket right there. I was going. Uh-huh. He went 48-0 that year. Wow. But here's the best part of this. Here's the best part of the story. It's senior year. He loses his 11th or 12th match. I can't remember. And I call him up like out of nowhere, like all those other calls were. But I know what's happening. You know, like, hey, young buck, how you doing, Ben? He's like, oh, Dallas, I lost. I fucking lost. And I said, thank God. <laughs> and he went, what? He goes, why would you say that? I go, Cody, I go, you think you learn anything from winning, bro? You learn from losing, man. That's how you learn. You learn from falling down, making mistakes. That's how you learn. I said, let me ask you a question. Would you rather face that kid in the quarterfinals, been 44-0, and and had him slip over on you, and you never even get to the finals? He said, wow, I never thought about it like that. I said, hey, that kid, you may meet him again. I said, you know what? He thinks he beat you. He thinks he owns you. I said, bro, I said, you know what you did wrong. Now work on that. Now, over the rest of the season, the only goal for any kid going against him, because he's possessed at that moment. It was so, you know, it's always good for a team to lose going into the playoffs. Not in the playoffs, but going into the playoffs, It'll get you, make you get your head right. And everybody's goal who faced him just didn't want to get pinned. So they would do whatever it took not to get pinned. So Cody thought at some point it hit him. So this one kid was straight. He just couldn't get him. So he let him go and let him up. And then he took him down. And then he let him up. And then he took him down. And then he let him up. And then he took him down and he pinned him. And that's how he would go all the way into the finals. And in the finals, he meets the same kid who's undefeated at the time. Now, in Georgia, when you get to the finals, your family is down at radio on the mat. Wow. Then you have five seats. And I'm sitting up in the stands with my daughter, Brittany. And Cody, after he was done warming up, he looks over and he sees me and he goes, Dad, Dad, get Dallas down. And I don't remember who had to leave, but one of the family members had to leave. And, and I went down there and watched him eat that kid alive. And he won the state championships his junior, his senior year as well. So wow. when he told me that he was going to do this, I thought, yeah, I think you might be able to do this. I never thought it would sell out in 29 minutes. You know? No, I know, so, exactly. Uh, and they exceeded 10,000. They did 11 plus. Yeah, unbelievable yeah, it was, stuff. It was, it was un- 
Folks, that was Diamond Dallas Page uh, telling us uh, his history, his entire history with uh, Cody Rhodes. And, uh, and uh, you know, what an incredible story that is. And what an incredible story All In was uh, and a big part of this year. And it was great seeing DDP back in action. Recently on the show, I had Santino Morella. And I asked Santino Morella about... Um, his character how much of it was him and how much of it uh was the writers and uh and uh let's see what uh, santino had to tell us about that when uh when we will go to santino right now like storyline to storyline to storyline is like you never you were never left out you were always in storylines to serve for 10 solid years it seems yeah there's there was a time when i wasn't having a lot of matches on raw I, i'd be at all the live events mm. but i would be interacting with all the special guest um guest managers hosts. guest yeah. hosts and, and that was really fun because i was getting more over by not even wrestling and i remember i was it felt like a year i was doing all guest host stuff pre-tapes yeah and it was cool you get to meet lots of you know interesting people backstage but then when I wrestled after that, then the, the crowd was primed and, and it was another peak. You know, it's peaks and valleys, right? Yeah. Now, did you, um, uh, how much of a Santino character did you uh, put into your, that yourself? And how much of it was writers? Um, in the beginning, I was, so I tickled Vince's funny bone. So uh, I, I was given Brian Gewertz, who was kind of uh, assigned my, my comedy. In the beginning, it was kind of script format, like written, like like a page you know yeah. piece of paper and then i would bring it to life as santino and then i would you know just change a word here and change a word there and i had the ability to if someone else interjected one off script i could i can deal with it and i can you know bring it back and stuff yeah. so then they started giving me like bullet points and by the end it was kind of like we want you to say this this and this in, in your way and i bring it to life myself but i mean the actual character in terms of the accent and how his mannerisms that was me really no one really instructed me on how to be santino yeah and it was interesting because at first i was kind of forced down the people's throats as a good guy a little bit and you know they don't like that and they were kind of like rejecting the, the baby face and then i guess the idea was well let's turn him bad and and if that doesn't work, you know, repackage or see you later. And then the first day I cut, I cut a promo. I remember coming back and everyone was just saying, holy, that was funny as hell. It, it was about uh, something about cheating. Cheating, I was something about the NBA and, oh, the, the make me sick. But anyway, the accent. Yeah. Complaining in the accent immediately struck the funny bone events because the next week I was like guest commentary. I was doing another promo, another promo, another promo. And they gave me the mic all the time. And uh, that was really the birth and rise kind of just giving me the mic. It was so funny. I was watching uh, segments today and uh, earlier this morning, and you had that segment with Drew McIntyre. I can't even remember. There was yeah. The best thing. The best thing was at the end. It made me laugh so hard. Was you're having a blindfold match yeah, in yeah. Vegas, and he's like, "I'll see you in the ring." You're like, "No, you won't. It's a blindfold match. <laughs> you won't see anybody." <laughs> and it's like, was that was that written or was that impromptu? Do you remember? I, I, I can't remember, but I remember watching the, that, that blindfold match. Is actually one of my favorite things. It's well, when you compare it to Jake and Rick Martel. Way better match, way better match. Just like, why didn't those guys have the brains to do what Santino did to find out where it seemed like that was the best idea to find out where the guy who the was? Hell? Who I can't remember who told me. Maybe it was Iron or something. But he told me, yeah, you point and use the meter, like the hot and cold meter. Yeah, and 
Yeah, there was. I, I thought I put a blindfold on the cobra. And that stuff. was very funny. Yeah, and I, yeah, that was that was fun. But no, I remember watching that and seeing that line where I go for it. But I'm delivering it like it's a real line because I'm laughing at the line. And a lot of guys, what they do when when they do promos, they kind of they forget to act like a real person yeah. would. And um, and people actually were given the directive when dealing with me, saying, "Look, if he cracks you and you laugh on TV, just laugh. It's funny. You're allowed to laugh. Yeah. You don't have to be in character. Plus, when you watch like SNL and they're about to crack on, that's the best part anyway. People, well, that's Jimmy Fallon made a career out of it. You know, uh, before Jimmy Fallon, not a lot of people. Will Ferrell would try to crack people all the time. And it was very hard, but you see it happen every now and again in a sketch, and it's so funny. He's funny. Yeah, oh, he's, yeah, he's incredibly funny. Yeah, but the other funny moments that I actually love, too, uh, there's, uh, oh, my God, there's so many. Just, oh, well, of course, we talked about this on Todd Shapiro, was when you and uh, Beth Phoenix had challenged John Cena at uh, the Christmas Raw right before Christmas. And you and I forgot the backstory of why the match was happening till I watched it uh, last night. Was you were going to reveal the secret of Santa? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, and then and that's and then and you said well, you told me you popped him that day, and then of course you you just said his name, John Cena. Well, the way you, uh, Santino says it, and he laughed. I was like, but you say it like that all the time. Is that, does he not watch your segments? How come he doesn't? Like, it's I'm funny because that's how you pronounce Cena in Italian. It's cena. It means dinner. Really? And uh, so I said it in the Italian way, and, and yeah, and it's funny because. I'll meet people, let's say at a signing or something, and they'll say, hey, John Cena, and they'll say, oh, WrestleMania, things I used to say, and they always remember, and, and they, they like to say, it. it's funny when people say, do it, do it, and the guy's like, no, no, he goes, he does a really good impression of you, oh. and then they, they'd be like, okay, and they'll do it, they'll do an impression. I've seen a couple good impressions, and some I have to pretend I'm amused, you know? That's yeah. nice, that's nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love hearing that. Uh, I did not dare to do an impersonation. Uh, John Cena. Uh, no, because I don't think I could do a good Santino Morella. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, folks, there's uh, some comedy with wrestling. And I thought uh, as far as comedy and wrestling goes, there's nobody better than Santino Morella. Uh, speaking of comedy wrestling, we got one more and then they go home. Uh, so many, before we do, uh, so many great things uh and great issues this year the 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 anticipation of fozzy was a lot of fun to do with that episode uh just uh, my weekend at survivor series you know um that was a fun episode um you know the the glow Two season review with uh, michelle and stefan returning to the show uh great having them on uh, you know, Ron Jossel, Craig Laison, uh, so many people throughout the year. Uh, Stone Rockwell coming on for an adventure. Uh, that was fantastic. Psycho Mike uh, coming on. Channing Decker, who was uh, recently, well, just Ross Leak. Uh, the Miguel brothers, uh, Ryan Horwood. So many people. Um, and if I'm forgetting you, I'm sorry. Uh, Jen and Patrick, who came on and told us about uh, them going to wrestling in Japan. Uh, the boys from uh, But I'm Chris Jericho Bob Kerr, Mark Andrada Thanks for joining us Psycho uh, Mike, how I said, Dave Martin uh, John Catucci was on the show And uh, was great But uh, the second most popular guest on our show uh, We're going to go to him right now He is from the We Watch Wrestling Podcast One of my best friends A guy that I would not be doing this without uh, his uh, without Without him 
So um, here's uh, Vince Averill and me uh, talking about the Shockmaster when uh, Vince was on. That's going to be great. And you're and when you when are you doing your fifth year show? Or is that the one the show? I mean, because you got you got your That's fifth the, year and you have the San Fran yeah. show, right? Two shows coming up. Yeah, San, San Fran is this Saturday, July seventh, before the Cow Palace. We're going to be at a place called the Dark Horse Inn. That's right, right near, less than a mile away. And then on August 11th, which is also a Saturday, we're going to be in Los Angeles at the Copper Still for the for the five year anniversary show. And then at the um, end of the month, so. at the end of the month, What's, where are you going to be? <laughs> you going to be in Chicago? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, we're all in. You're all in, <laughs> man. Thank you, thank you. We're all in on. Uh, we are. Uh, I think our we're we're whatever Sunday we're doing Starcast on Sunday, whatever that date is. But yeah. we're definitely going to be at the All In Show. So it'll, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's a hot summer, man, and a lot of other things that are cooking that we're not even talking about yet. But it's uh, it's exciting time. So this is cooking. Hot. We're hot. We're cooking. We watch the wrestling's cooking. Everybody's cooking. The Shockmaster's cooking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just watched uh, my my roommate. Uh, who is a wrestling um, fanatic as well? He has ne- he brought up the Shockmaster the other night, and then I started going into the everybody's cooking, and he didn't get it. And I was like, "Oh my god, have you never watched the actual Flair for Gold before the Shockmaster?" Oh, and he was like, "No." And I'm like, "To be honest, I don't think the Shockmaster needed to come out for that train wreck." I was like, "The the, the Flair oh, for Gold is hilarious <laughs> in its own right, like." The oh. oh, the the bulldog like all the wrestlers at one point are standing with their backs towards the audience and the camera. No one's cheating to the camera. No the one. Bulldog is out of his mind on something. Ric Flair just leaves. He leaves. He just takes <laughs> off before the Shockmaster gets there. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, that, I mean, he was like, "I'm not going to get any of this on me. I'm out of here." Oh well, Flair came in with them. Like he looked like the Kramer from the episode where Kramer was dating the black girl, and he went for a tan. And then he comes in, and he's and he's way too tanned. Flair is like <laughs> like George Hamilton yeah. times ten in that and he's so dark and then of course you know sting and and davy boy have no chemistry together it's kind of awkward watching them try to make it through this promo and then stid is uh just yelling anything but one of the funniest things that i never noticed before was because uh shockmaster (laughs) shockmaster wasn't doing his own voice uh, he was supposed to right. start reacting when he heard Ol's voice, but mm-hmm. when Sid starts screaming, he starts doing hand gestures because he thinks that's his voice. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ol starts, yeah. and then he realizes, oh, and then he really starts the hand gestures. I've never noticed that part before because Sid's like Shockmaster, and he's like pointing at Sid yeah. as as he's saying it, like he's. Oh fuck! It's so funny. It's so yeah, funny. Sid is. Sid just decides to start yelling over top of everyone. Yeah, yeah, but that's good because it gave a chance for Booker T to drop an N bomb. <laughs> oh, oh my god! And it, telling you, I wish somebody would just take it and like analyze it and like track for track, like separate the tracks of what you know where you could hear Davy Boy saying he fucking <laughs> fell on his horse, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, like, you know, and like, where, where, where Booker's like, who is this motherfucker? You know, he says, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
apparently it's Sid that says, I told you, I told you, because apparently before they like when they refixed the wall they put a board there yeah. now that's what he trips over right but sid pointed at the board he's like he's gonna trip over that board and they're like he'll step he stepped over it he'll step over it he'll be okay and like nope oh, one of the greatest I moments you. i told you like and then, oh uh, and then i love that the Shockmaster after that he just wore like a hard hat like he was you know, working on the telephone lines or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's where he got he gets shocked on the telephone lines all the time. Um, <laughs> I was shocked that they could that uh, Star Wars didn't sue them for bedazzling a stormtrooper helmet. You know. Yeah. I feel like it was, a, it was it was the right time in history or something where George Lucas didn't have his finger on it. He did not have his finger on the pulse. I wonder if George Lucas saw it today what he would think. Well, nothing because it's Disney's now, but uh, but he would be yeah. like Disney's uh, probably figuring out they can still sue him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They have to go down to the they they go right down to the Thunder and Paradise set and uh <laughs> which is on their property and uh hey holster yeah. where's uh where's uncle freddy at <laughs> yeah jimmy hart shows up for work and there's just a tape around the set and he's like what's going on oh, like, uh, production is shut down disney's here man they're pissed about the shock master i guess you could say the shock master was in its own in its own way uh its own natural disaster no doubt about it. You could absolutely say that. Yeah, a Taurus, and I and I am saying it. Much like um, when Matt McCarthy was on, I said that you know CM Punk showing up at Pro Wrestling Tees is actually the real Pro Wrestling Tees. <laughs> <laughs> like CM Punk is the Pro Wrestling Tees. It's like because he's showing up that weekend. Is he going to show up? Is he yeah. going to make card? We don't. He's like he's just signing autographs. That's all he's doing. You know, nobody said yeah, anything. Don't tell Sibley. Well, we don't know, but he's he's going to be a pro wrestling tease. That's because he is a pro wrestling tease. He's a, the biggest pro wrestling tease out there. Is he going to wrestle? Is he not going to wrestle? Who cares? I feel like he finally, I think he finally, yeah, I don't, but I think he finally put it to bed yeah. in a very non-working way saying, "I'm the, this, this is not happening. He can go into his legend uh, legend phase of his career. He's wrestled enough, you know, where he can start going and signing autographs and talking to his fans again. And then who knows, maybe he'll endear himself to wrestling again and will come back three years from now right. or something like that. But we don't need him now. Totally. You know, it just seems like no. you can finally go to a Raw in Chicago now and not have them chant CM Punk every minute of the show. So yeah, I feel like they, that's like a beach ball. They bring that out when they want to fuck with with whatever's happening now. It's not it's not like a um, you know where where's our guy. It's like we know there's a thing that we can sort of poke you with. So we'll 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 chant CM Punk situationally, but it's not because we're actually yelling for him. We're just fucking with you, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Did nobody nobody with those beach balls intends on going to the beach? Like if this was bash at the if this was bash at the beach, totally acceptable. That'd be one thing. If this is hog wild, totally, totally acceptable. But this is WrestleMania. <laughs> We're not at the fucking beach. I don't like it at no, all. No man, it's nowhere. No one's going down to New Orleans to take a swim. 
No, no, I don't. I've never been there. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm stopping myself right now because I was going to do a very poor Katrina joke, but I won't do it. I, I, I won't. Don't do it. Don't no, do it. No. You're better than that. No, enough people were swimming, and I won't do it. You know, I won't say that. So very exciting. The um, yeah. So you have that card coming up that you're the, the uh, crazy one, but how? Uh, but you know, you're in you're in L.A. You know. You got bar wrestling, yeah. you got PWG. These things happen all the time. Yeah. And then, you PWG know. PWG is happening that Friday before bar wrestling. So it's like, it's nonstop, man. I, I'm, I'm so happy that at a time <laughs> when wrestling is just on fire, that I'm in a place where there's no shortage of it. I can, you know, it's like, I feel like if I wanted to, almost every every weekend there's a, there's a show somewhere around. You know, it is like that. There, there are six indie promotions running around Toronto, folks. That was uh, that was Vince Averill uh, from the We Watch Wrestling podcast, and uh, I just want to thank the guys from the We Watch Wrestling podcast again, and thank Vince uh, for the hospitality that they showed me uh, in my Survivor Series weekend as I was down in LA uh, for the uh, the twelve days that I was down there, and uh, most recently on the most recent. Uh, well, the last uh, taped episode of We Watch Wrestling podcast, uh, Tom Sibley came out and uh, said that he was no longer going to be a part of the show, and uh, he's the original founder of the show and uh, uh, one of the show's OGs. I just want to say that uh, We Watch Wrestling, there would be no talking wrestling without We Watch Wrestling. And uh, Tom Sibley, thank you for everything that you've done uh, on that show. And, uh, you know, and, and I know we wanted to have you on this show and you never came on, even though you said you would. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, we want you to go on and uh, have a great life and... Uh, well, it's not like we're never going to see you again. I'm sure I'll still see you when I get down to L.A. Uh, however, uh, I just want to thank you for all the entertainment on We Watch Wrestling. And thanks for being a big part of it. And uh, I'm a We Watch Wrestling fan, just like many and many of the others. And I was in tears when I heard that you were leaving the show. And I hope the boys go on with the show. And uh, when you gave me the shout out at the very end, uh, made me even cry even more. Um, because, uh, I would love, you know, that, wow. But, uh, Tom, you know, as they say in the Golden Girls, thank you for being a friend and, uh, thank you for all the entertainment, uh, that you've given us. And, um, you know, as a fan and a friend of the show, I wish you and your brother all the best. And, uh, I hope Vince and Matt, I hope you guys continue to move forward uh, with the show. Uh, with that said, uh, we got one more person on the best of festive, and it's a good friend of mine, Brendan McKeegan, who was on the show, and he told a very sweet little story about his dad doing laundry one night in Sudbury. And who did he run into? Well, you're going to find out right here uh, on the uh, the last clip of the of this year's festive best of festive seasons beatings of a podcast so uh let's go to brendan mckeegan from issue 31 this year way back in february when he was telling us this amazing story so hard to say anything um my dad had a very interesting run and this is a little bit off topic but just on the topic of running into wrestlers my dad this was in sudbury my dad was at a laundromat and he looks over and sees somebody throwing a bunch of, uh, like, a jacked dude 
just throwing a bunch of really weird laundry into the washing machine. And he goes, man, that's, those are some weird colors. That's crazy. You got like hot pink. You've got, it's not, it's not Brett. Uh, this was before Brett, I think, because this was like late 80s, early 90s. And I just mean before that he was popular to mm-hmm. that level, um, that my dad would recognize him. Um, so he sees like pink go in there. He sees some yellow go in there. He sees some orange go in there. And he goes, huh, this is really weird. And he looks over, macho man Randy Savage in the laundromat with my dad in Sudbury, Ontario. That is amazing. After a house show. I was living with my mom in Sarnia at the time, but my dad got him to sign just a white piece of paper. Yeah. Because he's like, oh my God, that's fucking macho, man. So he goes over to him. He goes, hey, listen, I just, uh," and it's a small laundromat. It's kind of like behind what used to be a Herbie's drugstore, which is very old. Yeah, and so it's uh, just a small hole-in-the-wall kind of laundromat um, near where my dad used to live. So he would just go there and just decided, all right, so this is what I'm going to do. I'll do my laundry, and then, oh, that's that's for sure Macho Man. Because uh, he's like, yeah, I think I saw something about them being in town. So goes up to him, introduces himself, and just says, uh, listen, my son loves wrestling loves wrestling i'm just wondering if i could get your autograph for him and he goes oh yeah sure so what's your boy's name and he so he's like that's brendan b-r-e-n-d-a-n and he goes all right well let's get this going for your son then tell him to keep at it you know and uh sounds like he's got a good father i was like whatever like a little exchange he goes and he goes thank you so much he goes thank you brother or whatever so my god i get a laminated piece of paper i got a birthday and this was just before my birthday yeah so my birthday comes i get my present i open it and i'm like oh that's cool like a great toy i'm like yay that's awesome and then my dad says oh and there's this as well so he hands it to me and I'm like, what is this? Because I'm a kid and it's just scribbling on a piece of paper. And I'm like, what is this? And he goes, well, read it. And I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to sound it out. And I'm like, to Brendan. Okay, to Brendan. Happy birthday. So you're trying to make it a signature? Yeah. I'm like, Mossman Rammy Zap. Macho Man Randy Savage! Oh my god, Macho Man Randy! I was losing it and just screaming and like running in circles and through like through the house, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! And I'm like, how did this happen? He goes, he was at the laundromat when I was doing my when I was there too. And then you're just like, happenstance. Was Elizabeth there? Oh yeah. <laughs> my dad would have noticed Elizabeth for sure. <laughs> yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going out on. That's the last oh, that's it's, it. it's the best. It was the best um so now they're both having drinks together and it's wonderful cuz it's it's one of my favorite stories that my dad just was able to share. Oh, thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. Do you have a picture? Do you still have a picture of it to this day or where is that autograph to this day? <sighs> I don't know. I think it got lost in a move or something. Oh. I was like I had a lot of stuff before. I had yeah. a Hulk rules uh tank top with like the slits in the back like the original ones and mm-hmm. that's gone so i don't know but i know i've lost so much stuff too yeah. from like it hurts I, but at the same time just the memory of it that's great that does it for me no that is fantastic i can see him i was gonna use the roll of quarters in my match yeah now i'm using it for laundry yeah dig it uh, <laughs> so perfect you got to get the tide <laughs> you know only if i can ingest this tide like a tide Pod, you know, like, the gimmicks is getting stinky. 
So, folks, that was it. That was Brendan McKeegan telling us a story about his dad in the laundromat with the Macho Man. And uh, I love that story because uh, it's nice to hear the Macho Man even, you know, at that point at night and he's you know you you think he wouldn't want to be bothered he was nice enough to be a good guy to give a kid an autograph and um those are the stories i love hearing about randy macho man savage because he's one of my favorites of all time folks uh that is it that is the best of the festive i hope you've enjoyed it because uh, we've had a great year and uh, i just want to thank everybody who's listened to the show and everybody who's been a part of the show and every guest who's come on of the show and the producers of the show everybody at never sleeps network um uh the, the uh you know the social media crew we have jamie uh and her crew thank you everyone for uh, everything that you do um to make this show work and uh we appreciate you know all the listeners and uh i appreciate everybody that works on the show as well and thank you and wishing you all the best um, this holiday season. And uh, we'll be back with Talking Wrestling in the new year. So uh, enjoy this episode and a couple of repeats. And we'll see you in 2019. All the best. Bye now. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.